Scott. God damn it, Scott. <sighs> I don't think we could have been any more clear than we were for the last eight months. But I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'm to blame here. Maybe we're both to blame here. I feel like now I'm becoming this this doubting parent who's had his kid go astray. And I'm like, maybe it's something I did. I thought I was raising them right. And clearly something got lost in translation at some point. We talked for eight months about the stakes here. And the stakes were just if you lost to a presumably bad Syracuse team. We didn't even bring up the possibility of being blown out by Syracuse. I feel like we... I feel like we lectured our kid about the dangers of smoking cigarettes for like a month straight and then found out they were shooting heroin this whole time. Like I didn't, I didn't even know that was on the table. Who are you hanging out with? What else, (laughs) what else are you hiding? What happened? How did we get here? Welcome in everybody. This is the card chronicle podcast. It is Wednesday, September 7th, the morning of Mike Rutherford in Louisville, Kentucky, Dane Snard in Columbus, Ohio, and we are, of course, reacting to Louisville's season opening 31-7, 31-7 loss at Syracuse, a game that we have been talking about since, I mean, really last January, that was a, a you know, a, a must-win for Scott Satterfield's job security, a must-win for the overall satisfaction level of the fan base, a must-win for the outlook of the 2022 season, a must-win for the pot, the probability, the likelihood of keeping this elite 2023 recruiting class together and not making it weird. And I mean, we kept saying, don't make this weird, Scott. Don't make it awkward. I'm not even sure if it's weird at this point. Like Again, weird would have been a narrow loss and then the, a path towards a five and seven or six and six season. We got beat. We, we got hammered by the worst team in our division, one of the worst teams in the conference, according to every preseason prognostication. And now there's so little hope for the rest of the season. We may not be good enough for Scott Satterfield to even make this awkward. I, I mean, we're going to talk about this, obviously, for the, you know, however long this podcast goes. We'll let it out. We'll get the frustrations out of there. But, Dan, how are you? Ain't no sunshine when she <laughs> I mean... I feel like my sports life the last, I don't know, five, six years is just a a constant montage with this song just blaring in the background. You know, like in the movies when like there's like a, a fallout between friends or like a, uh, a character like gets broken up with. It's just like pans to like this song with them like loading groceries in and out and, like wearing like birthday party hats but like kind of like faking their way through it and clapping and then like occasionally like panning to the shot of me like watching tv but it just shows my eyeballs it's like syracuse runs in for the touchdown. <laughs> like this has been my sports life for literally the last like five to six years and i i, I just don't know if i I really have the inner I mean I'm I'm trying to be I mean I am pissed off but I mean there's really only so much you can say um I mean we've seen we've kind of seen uh, at least we've had an up close look and personal at least from the basketball and football standpoint kind of uh when coaching goes south 
and you just get that feeling like, uh oh, like this. I don't know if there's even like coming back from this and it's just spiraling quickly. Um, and again, I hate that I've even turned to this guy because it's only been one game and I never thought I'd be like overreaction one game guy. Like I'm not like, I, but at the same time, like everything, like you said, that we talked about, like, I mean, you got to, this was the game you literally lay it all out on the line. And I know they had the press conferences. I know everyone's pissed off about oh. like, Satterfield and the coaches said afterwards, um, and I totally get that. Um, but like, I mean, was there going to be anything that he said? Where we're like, yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like at this point, like I, I just need to see it on the field and it just seems so far away. Um, I don't know. I mean, this guy just, he might be too nice. He might be in over his head. I'm already flip-flopping. We're one game into the season. I was all in on him. Not all in, but you know, I was, I was riding them going into this game, and I feel myself jump, jumping back off the train. So very disheartening week one performance, obviously. I'm now just imagining you. You know the scene in Notting Hill where they play the song, and it's like <laughs> yes. he's like he's like walks from one season to the next, and like you know, <laughs> that's literally. Oh my god, that's literally. Summer actually, becomes fall. I'm just imagining like you like walking with your head down as like your uniform shifts from like Reds <laughs> to like U of L football. And then, like, a Vikings jersey comes on. <laughs> it's like you're wearing, like, a blue jacket sweater. Just, like, head down the entire time. Uh, yeah. like Derby horse pick, like, just coming in last. I, I mean, it was uh, – I, I don't – yeah. I, I, I don't really know how to start this. I I did the radio show yesterday, and I kept having to say, like, bleeping Syracuse. And so I can just say it now. Like, fucking Syracuse. Beat right. you by 24 points. It's – I guess I just don't understand what we watched because on one hand, it looked so much like the the team we saw the last two years. Like schematically, the effort looked eerily similar to what we saw in the season opener last year against Ole Miss, which somehow was a less lopsided loss than, than the one Saturday night. The defense still looks like the same Brian Brown defense we've seen for three years now. Um, you know, letting the opposing player come to them, playing too far off in coverage, not getting the quarterback. The, I, I mean, I guess the maybe the most staggering thing about Saturday night was the guys who have been good college players for us over the last few years were some of the ones who let us down the most. I mean, this offensive line that we've heard so much about that is so experienced and that was so good for most of last year was not good against Syracuse. Malik Cunningham, let's just say it, was not good against Syracuse, one of the worst games he's played. The receiving core, I think the concerns were justified. They, they didn't look like you had, outside of Tyler Hudson, guys who could really get separation, who could you know, make dynamic plays. The defense, the, the linebackers, supposed to be one of your strong suits, did not look good. You had Monty Montgomery was the guy who blew the tackle on the, the Sean Tucker swing pass that went for the score. The defensive line continued to lack a push. The secondary didn't look any better. We made Garrett Schrader look like, you know, fucking Johnny Manziel. I, I mean, I, it just, everything about the game was such a letdown. It didn't make any sense. And then to have, you mentioned the press conferences from, from Tuesday, to have the coaching staff come out and, and basically admit what we all saw, which was Syracuse seemed to want the game more. They played hungrier. They played with more fire. They had more energy. I how? I, how? How does that happen? Malik Cunningham said the exact same thing after the game. Like, they wanted it more than we did. They played harder than we did. 
And then Scott Satterfield, Lance Taylor, and Brian Brown essentially echo those sentiments yesterday. How? You've spent eight months since the moment that the first responders bowl lost to Air Force stopped. You've been spending every waking hour ready for the season opener, ready to find some redemption to, to wipe the bad taste from the Air Force and Kentucky losses out of your mouth and start playing. And even if you had, even if you ended the season on a high note, it's week fucking one. You've got a chance to, to you know, win a conference game on the road in what should be a winnable game, a game you were favored to win, and to come out and not match the energy level of fucking Syracuse makes no sense to me. It's In week one, everybody's effort should be matched. Like Everybody should be playing at 100 because everything's on the table. You can dream the biggest of dreams. Every team has a chance to go 12-0. and 0. It's the first game of the season. You're, you finally get to hit somebody else. All that good stuff. Let it out. To not match somebody's energy in the very first game of the year is beyond concerning. I just don't understand it. And then to have Scott Satterfield come out and say, you know, we got to match their level. How about you bring your – how about you're the team whose energy level has to be matched? How about you say we're always going to be at 100. What the op- opponent does, that's on them. We know nobody's going to play harder than us. You can play as hard as us, but we're going to do what we're going to do instead of, well, we got to match their energy level. What the fuck is this? And he has sounded exactly the same as he has the last two years. It feels like a deer in the headlights type deal. The the press conference quotes reminded me so much of 2018 from Bobby Petrino when he would come out and just say, yeah, surprise, we, we you know we got to tackle better. We got to finish plays. Guys got to make plays. But they're practicing well. I've been really encouraged by the attitudes. It was the same shit from everybody that we heard. I mean, you said, you know, what can he say? What can he do? Flip a table. Do something, Scott. Like, sh- show me that you care here. Show me that you're pissed off. Show me that you're you're concerned about your job. And I go back to something that I said last year. Maybe he, like, does love this job. You know, every day he wakes up and he's just so blessed to feel the head coach of the University of Louisville. He sure as shit doesn't show it. He's, yeah. He seems to me like a guy who doesn't really want to be the head coach of, of the University of Louisville. It seems like this just is not a fit. It has seemed like that for a while. And if he cares more than he's letting on, then and I'm just reading too much into this, then you know, my apologies. But show me you care at some point, Scott. Like, Show me this matters to you. Show me that this means something to you because it feels like his teams are a reflection of his own attitude, which is just far too blasé. And I, I just – I can't understand that. Like you know, he – by all accounts, like, you know, went to Vince Tyree in that, that meeting in December and laid out all the reasons why you know, he wanted to be the head coach, all the things that were going to change. He brought in some new coordinators this year to help out. And then we see the product on the field on, on Saturday night. The scheme is the same. The attitude's the same. What didn't work last year wasn't working on Saturday. And if anything, we looked worse than we've looked at any point the last two seasons. It was as disappointing a season opener as I can ever remember being a Louisville football fan. Yeah, I mean, and like, just to piggyback off what you said, I mean, the effort is one thing. I mean, the players need to hold some responsibility for that, and I understand sure. it's the job to get them ready, but that was very disappointing to see. But, I mean, the, the the scheming, like, I mean, I feel like I was watching a game from last year. Like, nothing changed at it's all. the same! I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, I, 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 I totally, I, I fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. I expected a brand new team game one, like a complete revamp, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And like, yes, I understand the offense only had seven points and a lot of people are pointing at them at this game. They deserve a lot of the criticism. 
But, I mean, the defense is what I was really looking at. And I know they got put in a couple of tough situations by turnovers. I get that. It, it looked the exact fucking same. Like, not one fucking thing changed. DB's playing fucking 20 yards off on, like, a, you know, second and 18. Uh, you know, first couple of runs of the game, six yards a pop, six yards a pop. Missed tackles. You know, linebackers out of position, not where they're supposed to be. I mean, not one fucking thing was different about it. Um, I don't know, man. I like between, I mean, I'm talking just football and basketball here, but between Satterfield, Cragthorpe, you know, I know Chris Mack came from Xavier. It's not really considered like a small school, but coming to Louisville is like a big step up. I'm, I'm pretty much done with, with pulling head coaches from like a smaller type school. Um, cause it just seems like they get here and they're just completely in over their head. And I, I, I feel like he doesn't have a clue on what it takes to be a big time college football program. I just think he's far away from it. So, um, now, you know, all this negative stuff, Hey, we come out and win Friday and we come back one and one, um, <laughs> It's like, all right, I guess I have to get back on. It seems like something Scott might do because it seems like he does just enough to where, you know, he kind of keeps a foot in the door. But after what I saw on both sides of the ball, you know, there's going to be there's going to need to be, excuse me, a fucking drastic performance on Friday because, I mean, yeah, Syracuse might be improved, but UCF is a completely different animal. And I mean, they thought the, you know, carrier dome or whatever it's called is, is loud, you know, Friday is going to be an even more hostile environment. So, um, I don't know, man, I'm just like, I'm, I'm turning into the apathetic fan that I, I felt like, uh, I was for most of the basketball season and it's only been game one. I just, that game sucks so much out of the fucking fan base. It, it's unreal. I mean, like everyone knew like, Hey, we got to win this game. And I mean, I, I don't, I think a loss, everyone would be pissed off, but I, it would be weird to see. I, I would wonder what the fan base would do if we lost, but it was like, Jesus, like, you know, we were playing our ass off. It, it came down to the last moment and I'm bouncing, go our way or something like that. I mean, it was just a fucking shellacking. Um, yeah. There's no other way to put it. it it's uh, it's pretty disheartening and, uh, the coaches, you know, they're they're to blame for this, but you know, I don't I don't want to escape the players from blame as well because they deserve it as well. No, the, the players have to certainly wear some of what happened on Saturday night. And you said it. I mean, the most jarring thing to me about this game is it's one thing if you come out and you know Syracuse just you know, they take advantage of your mistakes. You know, you make a lot of penalties. They play a clean game and they beat right. you like twenty four to twenty three. Syracuse looked better than us in every facet of the game, the entire game. Like they just looked better. They were bigger. They, they they weren't even bigger. They were faster. They played more physical. They were stronger. They had more energy. They schemed better. They seemed prepared for everything we were going to do. It was like because I mean this game has been known to be the to have been the season opener for I think the last four months or so, and it was like Dino Babers and company were like okay. We're going to go look at every Louisville game under Satterfield over the last three years. You know, we're going to prepare for everything that they've done, all the plays, all their sets, all their tendencies. They're surely not going to just play the same game that they've been playing, but we can at least have some of the stuff that they're that they've been doing down and be prepared for it. 
And then Louisville comes out and does the exact same shit they've been doing for the last three years. And Syracuse is totally ready. And we're somehow not ready at all for, I know they have a new offensive coordinator in Robert and I, but he was at Virginia. We've played Virginia every year that he was, that he was there. I I just, it's everything about the game blows my mind. And I think the biggest reason why you're seeing anger from the fan base, it's not, you know, sadness, it's not confusion is that there's this feeling of hopelessness now for not just this season, but for the, I think the, the rest of the you know, the direction of the program it's I mean, we said it all offseason. If you can't beat Syracuse, who can you beat? And now UCF, they look very good uh, in their their season opener. I know the, uh, the opposition wasn't great, but they still like they're better than Syracuse on paper, at least at just about every spot. They're certainly faster. And that should be an even more raucous home environment that we're going to walk into on Friday night. Florida State looked pretty damn good against LSU in a nationally televised game on Sunday night. That I mean, you're staring 0-3 right in the face. And then after that, you're staring like 1-6 right in the face if you don't improve dramatically. And you said, you know, if Friday happens, it could be another UCF turnaround. For me personally, and don't get me wrong, like I want nothing more than for this team to go down to Orlando and win this game. It doesn't just turn things around for me immediately. If anything, if they come out and they play really hard and they play really clean football and they look like a competent football team and they beat a good UCF team on their home field as a touchdown underdog, it almost makes me more mad about the Syracuse game because you know, why couldn't you have just done that week one? Like, why weren't you prepared? I don't think it's a, you know, if you beat UCF and, and you beat Florida State and then you're staring three and one in the face going into the heart of conference play, then I think you start to, to win a little bit of that fan base back. But right now, it's hard to envision that. It's it's hard to foresee this happening on Friday just because it wasn't just us doing dumb shit. We just looked like a vastly inferior team to Syracuse. And I know, and again, we do this after week one. You can do the whole thing where it's like, well, maybe Syracuse winds up being like a nine and three team. Last year, we did the whole like Ole Miss looked like they were playoff good. Like, you know, I, I did the same thing. Anything's possible after the first week. And maybe it's true. Maybe it is. It doesn't feel like that's going to be the case. It still feels like Syracuse will be at best a, a seven and five, six and six type team, and they just railroaded us in, in week one. And we look like a team that's going to struggle to get to five or six wins. And I, I, I don't know what you do with that after being sold what we've been sold, and now having this. It was so fun getting into the recruiting stuff and having you know being able to watch Ruben Owens highlights, who looks incredible. DeAndre Moore looks the same. Chris Clarkson, all that stuff. But I'll say what I've been saying this whole time again. If you can't win at least six or seven games with the roster that you have right now, I've got no faith in your ability to win nine, 10 or 11 with this elite talent that we're bringing in. And at the end of the day, that's what that's like. You get excited about elite recruiting classes because of the possibility of winning nine, 10, 11 or more games at some point down the line. And if you have no hope of even, uh, you know, flirting with that, what are we doing here? Like, like, what's the point? Why would you get excited about recruiting? We want special seasons at Louisville. We're a program that has accomplished that before, that has been in the spotlight before. We have two top 10 finishes um, over the last 18 years. We have five top 15 finishes over the last couple of decades. We've had a Heisman Trophy winner. We've flirted with the national championship game a couple of times. We flirted with the college football playoff a couple of times. Like, we know what it feels like to be a very highly relevant college football program, a very highly relevant college football team. We want to be there again. And let's just put it out there. As of right now, it doesn't feel like Scott Satterfield is the guy who can get you there. And if that's the case, 
what are we doing? Like, like that should still be yeah. the standard for Louisville. I'm not saying we have to be in the top 10 every year or even in the top 20 every year, but you should always be a top 25 ish team. And then every once, every four five, six years, we should have a team that should flirt with the, especially now that it's going to expand college football playoff, who should be like top 10 good. And like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to settle for like, well, seven and five, eight and four is good enough now that we're in the ACC. I'm not going to. And I think that some of the fan base is, is kind of walking that line a little bit now. And it was my biggest fear about making the move to conferences was that we would become one of these just whatever also ran teams in the middle of the conference. I don't want to be there. If Scott Satterfield can be the guy that can you know, take us to greater heights, that can take us back to national prominence, I we need to start seeing it. Right. And now's the time where if he has it in him, he needs to start coaching like his job is on the line. And with that comes just some sort of desperation. Like that's the thing that's been missing from like these UVL teams under Scott Satterfield is every game. Like I'll watch other games, like, you know, top 20 games and like, gosh, it just seems like a different level of, you yeah. know, want and need from these teams. Like it's, they're desperate to win this. And, you know, someone on Twitter, and I, I apologize for not highlighting this, but um, or or saying whatever their username was, I can't remember. But they highlighted like a couple plays where you know Ashton Galati like makes a great play of a sack in the backfield, and I mean like it should be like ten guys like mobbing him, like you know pat him on the helmet, yeah. let's go, and like you know it was a third down stop, it was a literally. third down stop, yeah. and nobody celebrated. One dude, you know give him a little pat on the head uh, you know, and then Tyon Evans runs in for a touchdown, you know, half the team's just kind of loafing behind him. Um, not really excited to get to the end zone to celebrate with them. Like it's just little things, man. And I think it's a reflection of the coach. I mean, I don't know what goes on in practice. I'm not there, but he just doesn't strike me as a master motivator. Um, yeah, maybe he had some nice offensive schemes at Appalachian State. People think he might be a good play caller, even though obviously we saw you know what happened on Saturday. Um, but you need to be more than that as a head coach. And uh, from what I've seen in the years that he's been here, he just doesn't have that in him. Um, like the, the same sort of desperation or motivation that like a Charlie strong had when he was here. Um, and I don't want to compare everything to Charlie, but I mean, I got to see something and not, we're, we're seeing nothing right now. So unfortunately Josh heard, I mean, if this thing takes a wrong turn here and we lose Friday and then we come home to whoever knows, you know, who knows what kind of crowd we're going to have for that Florida state game. If they start out at three, I mean, we're going to have some tough decisions to make here. And if we want to be the type of program that you're saying, not just a middle of the road program, Hey, I get the recruiting class. I totally get it. Um, but I mean, we need to swing for someone that's big enough to uh, a big enough name to say, Hey, you know, I, he can be responsible for maybe trying to help keep this class together. Um, but you know, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Really? It's just, I just reflected on past Saturday. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think the fan base, after what they've been through from a basketball and football standpoint the last four to five years, uh, I, I, I totally get the overreaction. It, it, maybe you don't even call it an overreaction, but I get like the week one quarterbacking of the fan base being absolutely pissed off and just fed up. 
Um, because honestly, I think we deserve more. We expect more. And right now we're not getting it. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that sucks about right now. And there are, I mean, a million things that suck about this moment. It's just the hopelessness for the future. And, right. and I'm not just talking, I'm not just talking about the rest of the season, the 11 games that we have left. You just have this sense that one, the season's not going to go great. And even if there is a quote unquote turnaround, it's going to be a turnaround that gets us to like six and six or seven and five, which for the bulk of like our adult lives, you and I, at least even like dating back to like 2000 has been just a whatever average type season. I think there's concern that like he's not going to be the guy that can take us back to having special seasons. And I think also you have to take into account too, like let's be called spade a spade and it's not fair because the man hasn't coached a game, but it looks like the men's basketball season is going to be uh, like a, a tough one relative to our standards. I think you can get excited about certain things, even if you don't like have an NCAA tournament caliber team or a top 25 team, but like Louisville fans have been, we've, we've been desperate for like success in, in the two spotlight sports for the last five, six years. And it just has not happened. We haven't won. We haven't won more than nine games in a season since Charlie's last year. We haven't really had a, a good nationally relevant team since Lamar's Heisman year. The 2017 team kind of fizzled out. Although at this point I'd kill for like an eight and four a year with, with a, a dynamic quarterback and a, a, a decent defense. I, I guess not a decent defense. The defense was terrible, but a decent defensive player in Jair Alexander um, men's basketball. We haven't been to the, the, the second weekend of the NCAA tournament since 2015. We've won one NCAA tournament game since 2015. And it was a, you know, uh, went over Jacksonville State in the first round as a two seed. We're desperate for the old days to come back. And it, the fact that it doesn't seem like they're coming back anytime in the very near future, I think is is just messing with everybody. I mean, we still don't know what the NCAA is going to do with the IRP stuff, uh, which RIP to the IRP. We hardly yeah. knew you. Um, like it, it could be a tournament ban for this year. It could be a tournament ban for 2024, which would suck even more. Um, we don't know how Kenny Payne's first recruiting class is going to go. We don't know how his first season is going to go. Um, you know, Kenny, if you're listening, please beat Bellerman in, in, in the season opener. We we can't take that. Uh, we, we, we can't deal with that. But there's just this, I think this overwhelming sense amongst Louisville fans of like, when are we going to be good at these sports again? Like yeah. we thought it, we were going to be good forever. Like now it feels like the earliest we can be like back to, to where we're ex- expecting to be is like three or four years down the line. Right. We got a six year quarterback playing right now. Like, you know, we haven't given snaps to anybody else. Um, yeah, I know there's grad transfers and stuff like that for for next year. And I know, hey, if I mean, knock on wood that Pierce Clarkson is on campus next year. I mean, do we expect him to play as a true freshman? And if he does play, I mean, I don't think we can expect to you know, obviously be any sort of juggernaut offensively. I, I think he's going to be great if he gets here. Um, but that's putting a lot on a kid if he, you know, does happen to play as a true freshman. But it, like you said, it, it's just this was supposed to be like, I'm not saying like the year, like national championship or bust, but I mean, God, I I just wanted to win a couple games here at the beginning, at least have that feeling of hope, like you said, and it's just been ripped away already after week one. Can we um, not even get one week to just be exactly. like, hey, you know, may, even if they'd won like twenty-seven to twenty-four, we could have been like, you know, there were some things that I liked. 
Let's go beat UCF. Let's get excited. Florida, I mean, especially after Florida State beat LSU on national TV, if you go into that game 2-0, and it's a red out. It's Friday night. They're honoring Michael Bush's jersey. Like, that would have been easily the best environment at Cardinal Stadium of the Scott Satterfield era. And instead, we just shit all over it. We just we, we did what we've been doing for the last three years, which is taking the possibility of something good, wadding it all up, and just wiping our ass with it and then throwing it in the toilet. I I, I could not be more upset about what happens. I, I If you can't tell, I could not be more upset about what happened Saturday night. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I, I stood there like in the second half, like, I mean, pretty much just like I cannot believe this is actually happening. Like, I, I don't know. I like I, not to sound like over dramatic, but like there was no point in the first half where I was like, all right, well, we're going to come back and actually like get our feet underneath us and like we're going to get it together here. And then obviously we have the goal line stop. And that's when you're like, oh, shit, is this actually going to happen? Um you know, so yeah, between this, the fucking Reds starting three and twenty-two, like Jesus, can I have like one week of hope here, people? My God, thank God for the Lions. Um, <laughs> yeah, we like the the moment where I got a little bit worried because I was like you in the first half. I was like, they'll even at halftime. I'm like, th- th- I'm like, I'm pissed off. This sucks. This is what I was expecting, but they're going to figure it out. It's 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 still fucking Syracuse, right? Like you know, we've owned these guys. They're not supposed to be good. And it wasn't like they had a whole cast of newcomers outside of the offensive coordinator. We made Garrett Schrader you know, look like Johnny Manziel on Saturday. He was awful against us last year. We held Sean Tucker to under 100 yards. The offensive line was essentially the same. The, the weapons on the outside were basically the same. The defense, they had most of the same key contributors. Mikel Jones, I know he got ejected from last year's game early for targeting, but we've played him twice before and he didn't have much of an impact. We scored 41, 30 and 56 points on these guys the last three years. And then suddenly with the same quarterback and a lot of the same offensive linemen, we couldn't muster more than seven. It was just, just maddening. But the moment where I was kind of like, you know, uh Oh, when we ran the double pass, when Braden Smith, like, you know, throws the pass and we get down to the goal line. My first reaction is like, awesome. Cool. My second reaction was like, oh, shit. Like, we're, we're busting out the double pass in the first half against Syracuse in week one. This just kind of reeks of desperation. It's like when Florida started, you know, did the onside kick against us in the Sugar Bowl uh, or the old uh, Howard Stellenberger, I think, uh, the quote about, like, I knew when they busted out the fucking fumble ruski that we had them. Like, they, they, you know, they're pulling out all the stops here. It just it did not make me feel good about our ability to go toe-for-toe with these guys and just run it down their throats or do what we wanted to do offensively. And I I hate to keep harping on the press conferences from yesterday, but, like, you know, Lance Taylor coming out and saying, you know, we we did a lot of things well. I like the way that we communicated on the sidelines. Nobody hung their heads. And, you know, sometimes just stuff happens in the first week, and you got a lot of guys that maybe haven't experienced big-time college football, and they're a little bit deer in the headlights. We're one of the oldest teams in the country. Right. We have like five super seniors starting. We like there's nobody out there on the field on, on on Saturday, especially on the offensive side of the ball, who should have been intimidated by the Carrier Dome, who should have been intimidated by big time college football. Ty Evans played at Tennessee. Um, I mean, I guess the one guy that you can point to is Tyler Hudson because he came from Central Arkansas. He may have been our best player in the game. Like he was one of the guys who didn't look overwhelmed by the lights. Millie Cunningham, the all the offensive linemen, Marshawn Ford, um, even Amari Huggins Bruce had played. You know, big time football. D. Wiggins came from Miami. That is not an excuse you can use. You you can't do the whole is week one. 
you know, these guys just weren't ready. It's a step up in competition. No, all of these guys are very experienced college football players. If anything, we have less of an, an ability to use that excuse than just about any team in the country. We are, I think, by like you know the the age rankings, like the third most experienced team out of the 131 teams that play FBS football. I just, I, again, I'll say it for the millionth time. I don't get it. I, I don't. It is unfathomable that we came came out and looked like that in week one with so much to gain, so much to lose. And it was just the first week of the season. Like, you should never look – you may look a little bit disjointed, disoriented. You may make some mental mistakes. Maybe the offense doesn't look as crisp as it's going to look, hopefully, in mid-October. But effort level should never be an issue in the first week of the season. You've been waiting for this all year long. I just – I don't know where to go from here. I don't. Right. And I think everyone within the program is to blame. So, you know, this isn't signaling out one kid, but – I mean, we, we, we probably need to talk a little bit about Malik. Um, yeah. I mean, man, I, I, I just, I, I, I know what, it's not fair to be like, he's not the guy. Cause obviously we've seen, you know, he, he's performed well enough where obviously, uh, you know, he, he, he's got some big wins on his resume. Um, but Jeez, some of the decisions, um, his inability to kind of stay with receivers downfield, it seemed like he had happy feet and was looking to get out of the pocket as quick as possible. Now, granted, you know, the offensive line kind of let him down a little bit, um, and the play calling did as well. But, uh, I mean, I'm waiting for that one performance where it's like, hey, let's let's go on the road in a hostile environment, you know, and I'm going to play my ass off or let's, you know, at home against a a big time team. And, um, you know, I'm going to put the team on my back. And, uh, it was honestly the complete opposite. If anything, you know, I don't really know. There's really not much to say. He just played very poorly. And I did. He was bad. There's no way around. I mean, he, he was, he was bad. It was one of the worst games he's played as global starting quarterback. And I don't know if it was, we talked so much leading up to this game about, the Mikel Jones comments at ACC Media Day where he's like, you know, I, right. I don't I don't see it as much of a challenge. And the Syracuse, the Syracuse media, they took they were like, oh, well, he was misquoted. That wasn't what he actually said. But Malik himself, he went on our friends over at the the from the Pink Seats podcast a few weeks ago. And he basically like told the story. He was like, yeah, it was like there, there's beef between us and Syracuse. Like they've got they had this weird energy the entire time we were there, like we were playing the game tomorrow. He said Mikel Jones, after he'd made the quote, like came over to him. He was like dapping everybody up and like, you know, showing them love. And like he came over and like just like stuck a hand out to me and was like, see y'all week one. And was like in my face about it. He's like, it was very much a not a a throwaway comment. Mikel Jones was trying to get in Malik Cunningham's head. And if that was his intention, if he was savvy enough to see that, you know, Malik is a guy who at times in his career has let opponents get into his head and it has negatively affected his play. Props to him because it, I mean, it worked. It seemed like Malik was was out there trying to do too much, even on the, the goal line drive. If he just, we ran that stupid read option play that we do that works, I think, one out of every 10 times. Right. We ran it We ran it twice, including on fourth down, which I, I, I could do a whole podcast on that. But if he just hands the ball off to Ty and Evans, either of those times, Evans walks into the end zone. He kept it. It felt like, and you hate to, to think this, but it felt like he was stat hunting a little bit. It felt like he was, you know, I'm going to get my touchdown here. I'm going to get Mikel Jones's face. Like, I'm going to show him. And that's kind of the way he played the entire first half. And then when he started getting hit a little bit, he did get the happy feet. He looked to run a little too much. He was locking on to Tyler Hudson. And then he just made 
inexplicable throws. I mean, just throwing it right to Syracuse guys. You know, the the D Wiggins throw. I thought Wiggins could have done a little bit more to at least right. fight for that ball. I but agree. If, if 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 Malik throws it a second earlier, it's also probably a touchdown. That cornerback can't get all the way back there and make that play. He just was was downright bad, and I don't know if it was because Jones got in his head a little bit or he just wanted to be so good. Whatever it was, though, needs to get fixed fast because if that's the Malik Cunningham we're going to get this year, this looks like a three and nine, four and eight type team. But yeah, it was in a, a spot where he's talked about all offseason. You know, it's not about my stats. It's not about me. I just want to win. He came out and and laid about as big of an egg as he has as Louisville's quarterback, which is another reason why I think everybody is so just down about not just this game, but the outlook for the entire season now. Right. So, I mean, I guess I'll ask you where, where do we go from here? I mean, I know we got Friday. Are we, are we, uh, we, we both predicted seven and five on the, uh, last pod. Are we, are we backtracking a little bit or. Yes. I I think so too. I mean, I just, I I don't know after if if you're not going to beat Syracuse and like you said, who knows how their season turns out. Maybe they have like a surprise, really nice year. Um, but I'm quite frankly not banking on that. Um, and well, the, I just, the thing is, it's not just the it's not just that you lost to Syracuse, who is who was again presumably the worst ACC team or at least one of the worst overall teams on your schedule. It's that you weren't competitive because right. you know, we've been the, the last two years as disappointing as they've been. More times than not, we've been in games. Like, like you know, it, it's been the the old Scott Satterfield tagline of you know play here, play there. We could have been eight and four last year. We could have been nine and three last year. We could have been you know eight and three in the COVID year in 2020. Besides the UK games and I guess Ole Miss last year, like we've been right there. We had a lead going into the fourth quarter, or you know we've let a team have a have, have staged a late fourth quarter drive to win a, a one score game. We've always had chances to win. It's always been up in the air. We just haven't gotten the job done. This was a different animal. This was you got physically and thoroughly dominated for four full quarters by a team that you were supposed to be better than and that on paper you looked better than. I don't know how you can watch that performance and if you predicted anything better than six and six, say, yeah, like I I feel like I need to backtrack a little bit. I mean, I've got I hope they look like a different team on Friday night against UCF, but it's hard for me to say that when I mean, they, they weren't even close to Syracuse. And I saw the stat um, since 2000, there have been 14 teams that have been road favorites in week one, lost that game, and then gone on the road again in week two. Those 14 teams are 1-12 and 1 against the spread, and only one of them won that game. So oh like, it's not a good stat for us. It's not a, you know, it, it feels like... A, Every metric that had us sort of with a positive outlook just tanked us. Like we were one of the biggest week one disappointments, according to anybody, any way you look at it. It just it leaves you with so little hope moving forward. And maybe they are good enough to win seven games this year. You're going to have to show it pretty quickly because that the early season schedule no longer looks quite as easy as it did. And that starts Friday night in Orlando against a team that, again, like is probably better than Syracuse is. Right. And. It just makes you like wonder. I mean, again, this is what happens when you get blown out and you don't show up and everyone plays pretty lackluster and you don't make the plays you should have. But you've had eight months to prepare for this game. You wonder if maybe the coaching staff kind of was resting on their laurels of the recruiting world that they had this summer. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, there's really no other way to explain looking that unprepared and that unmotivated for game one. Um, I'm trying to come up with answers. Uh, but like you said, whatever it is, they, they need to fix it in a, a short week, of course, here. Um, do we have a spread for the UCF game? It's them by seven and a half. Yeah, I mean. Open at five, I think. It's been bet up since since then. <laughs> Is it, are we are we asking too much for Scott to just like lie to us like like let give us a reason why we saw what we saw I, we differ on that there's nothing he can say at this point that's gonna like really change my mind like I know you said like I want him coming and flip a table like hey that's that's fine um really for me I mean there's I, I the only thing I want to see is just a different type of product on the field and you know like I said that was the most disheartening thing about week one is. I felt like I watched a replay almost scheme-wise of last year, and it seemed like— It's all the same, though. Like, it, 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 there's the scheme, what he says afterwards, nothing has changed. Like, tell me the team puppy got killed before the game or something. <laughs> like, like, give me give me a reason that, that, that justifies or explains what I saw for those three and a half hours with my eyes pried open like a clockwork orange. Like, I, I just—give me something. Yeah. I, 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 you know right what's— now, I'm at a long worst. It's like our boy Dan Mullen, who predicted us last in the division. I know. I, know. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, he's right. Um, I know. Still a long way to go. I'm not giving him that credit yet, but I'm like, that's I told you I knew football, you fuckers. Like, he's just strutting around. Uh, like, we want Dan Mullen as a head coach? <laughs> Starting to think about it. I mean, these are the thoughts that are creeping in my head. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm already putting names together. I mean, I... I see our boys back on Twitter. Bring Brom back. I'm like, here we go. Uh, but um, yeah. we saw how that went. Jeez, he. Which, I mean, Brom, my, my guy. But that was a tough look on uh, opening night. There, he he pretty much gift wrapped the game to to Penn State. There, it was. It was a certainly a bad look for Jeff and company. But I don't know if you're even aware of this. In two weeks, they play at Syracuse. Oh, I know that. That's gonna be a. Okay, Scott, you better pray to God that Syracuse does something good here. If they go up there and just blow out Syracuse and we are 0-3, I mean, the city will just spontaneously combust. It's just going to be gone. I I think, like, I mean, we're about two weeks away from either, like, okay, like, decision time here or – you know, maybe we, by then we, you know, knock on wood, maybe we've turned our season around. But you're right; like, it things could be really grim in about two weeks. This game is kind of my last like big thought on on this game. I went back and looked it up after on, on Saturday night. It was the first time that we have lost a season opener as a favorite since 2008. And two, I don't know if you remember the 08 game. It was Craigthorpe's second season. We played UK at home. And it was Labor Day. I think it was Labor Day Sunday. And, like, both offenses just sucked. Kentucky finally, I think they scored their first touchdown on a fumble recovery. And they wound up winning 27-2. to And, it, like, the fallout from that game reminds me so much of the fallout from this game. Because, if you remember, we went into to, to Cragthorpe's second season. And we kind of, you know, we knew that season one was a disaster. But we started to try to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. You know, we, we, we bought the excuses. He said the culture here was so bad. You couldn't believe the the terrible attitudes in the locker room, all these problems. And I cleaned it up now. I got rid of the Petrino guys. 
you know, Tom Jurich came out and said, I learned my lesson. I'll never try to make another head coach keep coaches from the prior staff. You know, Craig Thorpe sacrificed the coordinators. He did that thing after the first season. And we were like, okay, like maybe this guy knows what he's doing. Let's see how this goes in week one against what should be a not so great Kentucky team. I think we were a slight favorites in that game. And then it goes horribly, horribly bad. We lose by 25. And the the feeling of anger, the feeling of, of just dismay amongst the, the fan base wasn't just because you got beaten by a, a, an average team by 25. It was because you had so little hope for the rest of the season. And that year, I think we ended up starting five and two. We beat a ranked South Florida team and then lost five in a row to, to finish five and seven. And that's, I think, kind of the way we feel now. We, we sort of bought in for year four with 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 uh, Satterfield. We bought the excuses. We bought the bringing in new coordinators. Things are going to be a little bit different here. We, we may not be a great team, but we're going to be better and we're going to show signs of improvement. We're going to be headed in the right direction. And then to have the wheels fall off so tremendously at the beginning, you know, right at the beginning, it's just such a kick in the dick. It just, I mean, it, it really just is. There's no other way to describe it. It was, I was prepared for a close game. I thought there was a chance we would lose. I never in a million years thought we would get blown out. Never in a million. And I don't, I, I'm sitting here just four days later, not knowing what to do with that outside of just feeling horribly pessimistic about the rest of the season. And, you know, the, the, the future of local football. It's just, it's where I am. I, I wish but, it was different. I wish we could be more optimistic. I wish we could have a peppier podcast, but I can't do it right now. There, There's pros and cons and living in Columbus at a time like this. Like the pros are like, no one cares about Louisville football, rightfully so at this moment. So you don't really get asked about it. But like my close friends or relatives that like do ask about, I mean, like they want to talk about their teams, like, Ohio State, you know, obviously my wife's family's big Michigan fans. And, like, they're, you know, obviously talking about the upcoming season, the big games and stuff like that. And then they'll, like, chime in. They'll be like, what Louisville do week one again? Like, <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah, we lost to Syracuse. They're I don't know, like, actually. I don't yeah, know. And they're like, oh, God, is Syracuse? They kind of suck, don't I'm like, oh, I can't do this anymore. But, um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jesus, my son turns eight in like six or seven days. Like, and I'm saying this like half. Do you not know? Joking, but halfway serious. Like, do you do you, do you, do you not know if it's six or seven days? There, sorry, it's September 16th. <laughs> I don't even know what today is. So like, not, what are you doing to me, Scott? <laughs> not even six or seven days, nine yeah. days. Yeah, it's nine days. But like, <laughs> I say this jokingly, but like, also like makes me sad. Like. I mean, I haven't, like, I, I've i tried to get him into Louisville basketball and, and football. And, like, the last, I mean, four, I've, I, I, I can't even think back how long since we've been good in either one. Like, I mean, we're losing a very big part of, like, the, you know, up-and-coming fan base. And, uh -huh. like, quite frankly, like, I don't know, like, I've. I mean, obviously, I love my son. I want him to be happy. I don't want to say he's like, I mean, he literally asked me, he's like, I feel like Louisville loses a lot. And I'm like, that absolutely cut me to the core. Like, I was like, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know what to say, bud. Like, uh, you know, I, I think they'll be good at some point. But um, and now, he, you know, he's at school. He's got all his Ohio State friends. And uh, I mean, what am I supposed to tell him, like, not to, like, you know, go against the grain and cheer for this you know kind of program that is not giving you anything in return that he doesn't have any you know loyalty to whatever i'm talking about an eight-year-old here but um it just i, makes I get it though 
Like, it, it does suck. I've made the same point when talking about the, the basketball scandals for a while now. I've, I've said, you know, we, we're losing a generation of fans because, right. I mean, I, I talk about, you know, my nephews now, all three of them are, are in high school. And they, I mean, they experienced when they were young, like six, seven, eight, about Cam's age when Louisville was winning the national title and all that good stuff. And they were super into it. And then now I talk to them about it and like they're, they're UL fans. They know what's going on, but they want to talk more about like pro sports teams. Like my right. middle nephew who was like just obsessed with Peyton Siva and Russ Smith. It's all he wanted. He had a Russ Smith themed birthday party. Like now all he wants to do, he, he's a Lakers fan. Like just talks about the Lakers, like wants Lakers stuff for his birthdays. And it's all he really cares about. And it's, it's hard to blame when you're in those formative years. And I know we thought we had it bad, like with, with you know, the, the sunset of the Denny Crum era, but at least like we had, you know, we were making the NCAA tournament. We made that run in 97, had a, a good run to the Sweet 16 the year before in 96. And we also weren't talking about like strippers and sexual favors and right. postseason bans and just constant just shame. Like that's what this whole generation of fans has grown up with. And my only hope now, I mean, you said, you know, Cam is, is sort of coming to those formative sports years where, you know, you, you really start, you can really get into it, really follow it and really just like dive into the minutia of it all. Like, I'm kind of hoping that by the time, you know, Virginia just turned three a couple of days ago, John will turn one next month. I'm hoping by the time like my kids get to that age, like we're going to be finally out from underneath this and like they'll be really into it the way that you and I were when we were eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. And I think that's all you can hope for. Cause I do feel bad. Like if you're a kid that was, when all this started, the the negative basketball stuff in the fall of 2015, yeah, you, know, you could have been like eight years old at that point, and you're now, I mean, God, like you're getting ready to wrap up high school, or you're in the middle of high school, and that's all you've really known is just scandal and kind of shitty football. You, you had Lamar Jackson tossed in there, but it's, you know, right. it's I'm sure, it's, sure it feels like a long time for you. It does. It sucks. We need something good to happen very soon it's why i think we all just sort of held out more hope than maybe we should have for this football season and why maybe some people are still holding out some hope for this football season but at some point like we just the tide has to turn it's been it's been too long right and like i don't want anyone to like i mean obviously i mean we we do a podcast about we've been fans for life i mean our loyalty is not going to change like i i still want everyone to go and support the team and they obviously you know, I, they deserve it for, I mean, I, I understand they didn't have a good showing week one, but, you know, these guys work every day and they deserve the fans to show up. Um, but like like you said, at the same time, we, we do need something good to happen. And whether that's going to be under this coaching staff or whether Josh Hurd is going to have to make some upcoming decisions here, um, you know, I feel like a lot might be on his shoulders here in a couple of weeks. I just have that feeling. Um, God, we, we were say, just talking, we we say, just talking we about say, extension like a week ago. <laughs> can we say real quickly too, like poor Josh Hurd. I, I know mean, the man has had the job. First of all, doesn't expect to get the job at all until Vince Tyree, a story that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Like Vince Tyree just, you know, all of a sudden, like he's going to go to Florida state. He's taking the job and then no, he's not taking the job. But also, he's just quitting. Like that, like that just came out of nowhere. We all were like, "Thanks, Vince, for stepping in at a rough time." It's like kind of weird that you just left out of nowhere and then nearly been to Pooty Bowls for Penn State a day later. Like Josh gets the interim job, and a month into having the interim job, he has to handle something that has literally never happened in the long and storied history of Louisville men's basketball. He has to work on this, <clears throat> you know, 
basically coach that wants to leave the team midseason and a fan base that also wants him to leave the team midseason. He has to work on that. He's got to get all that figured out. He then has to lead a coaching search for, you know, this this proud program that is is suddenly in this uncharted territory of being, you know, needing a new coach in just four years and hasn't had success and is still dealing with NCA stuff. He leads that charge with a, a fan base that wants one obvious candidate in Kenny Payne. Um, he has to go through all that. And then he gets the summer and he's like, all right, let's calm things down. Let's have a nice football season. Let's make this easy on me. Recruiting's killing it. All we need now is to win some games. And bam, 24-point loss to Syracuse right in your fucking face to start. I, I feel so bad for Josh. Like, right. And now I'm sure he's. I'm sure he wants to win these next two games more than anybody just to, be, to, to you know, relieve himself of the awkwardness. But you're right. If it starts 0-3 and then maybe we lose, a, like, you know, three of our first four ACC games or something like that, like he suddenly is tasked with a very, very awkward situation. And to a chunk of the fan base, it's a no-win situation because right. one one fan base wants to keep Scott Satterfield regardless just for these players. Another wants him gone if he doesn't win more than six games. Th- there is no possible way to please everybody. The Chris Mack thing, at least, I think most people wanted the same thing. Most people wanted him gone, and nobody was crying for Chris Mack when he left midseason. This one is a little bit more tricky, and you feel bad for a guy who's – I mean, he hasn't even had the job full-time for – like even half a year. It's unreal. Everything that's been on his plate. Yeah. He's like, Hey Vince, thanks for the great hires here that you made. <laughs> um, really knocked him out of the park. Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we've pretty much ran through the gauntlet here. I, yeah. At this point, it, it's really, Hey, come out Friday. Just show us something completely different from an effort standpoint. We need to see desperation. We need to empty the empty the kitchen sink, as they would say, because uh, we need a win badly to kind of get the fan base and the ship kind of um, sailing back in the right direction here. So uh, I'm as disheartened as I am uh, about what happened on Saturday. I, I still am looking forward to the game on Friday, um, and I, I I just think there's talent on this team where I should expect a better, a lot better performance than what we saw on Saturday. Do you want to do predictions here? All right. You want to get crazy? Let's get crazy. This seems like everyone's like, well, season's over, blah, 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 blah. And I totally get it. And like, if I was, man, I'm going to say we pull out this win. I really do. Like, this this seems like, Satterfield in a nutshell like you know he has it in him but for whatever reason he can't get the team motivated week to week but um I I think we go in there and look like a completely different team I say we win offense comes alive I say we win oh let's go uh 35-31 Danada days yeah I, I I just this 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 has like oh man you see Louisville they're going down the shitter blah 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 and then that that's when these type of games happen so um, feel free to to dog me on Twitter or wherever for that pick. Oh, I love it. I I, I wish I could say I agree. I'm I'm gonna go Central Florida 38 to 24. Um, I just look if if it had been even close if we'd lost a close like 27 24 game to Syracuse I might be right there with you. I just, 
they look like a bad football team. There's, it wasn't like a untapped potential type team, and maybe that, that is the case. If they win, I'll say what I said at the beginning of the pod again. I'm going to be happy. Don't get me wrong. I want to win this football game. I want better days ahead. I want this to be a season where we can keep Scott Satterfield and keep this recruiting class, and that possibility starts with a win over UCF. But I'm also going to be even more pissed about the Syracuse game if it happens. Like I'm going to be more happy than I am upset, but there's going to be a part of me that is like, why the fuck didn't you play this way in week one? Like, like There's no excuse for it. It seems even more excusable now. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think UCF kind of has their way with us. Um, but I would love to, love to, love to to be wrong about that. And Friday night football games are fun. I'm hoping we can – Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do the, the pre-pre-game show on, um, on, on 970 and 1450, which should be very entertaining. Hopefully – I guess I'll have to pep it up a little bit <laughs> to lead it to Paul Rogers and company. And then getting off and you know getting dinner and getting ready to watch Friday night football is always a fun thing. We get to do it the next two weeks. And you just hope that we have something to get excited about. Because I'm like you. Like, I'm still – I'm still hurting – from the loss, I think more than I'm excited about Friday. But once we get to like tomorrow night, it's Thursday night, and I'm ready for Friday, like I'll get myself to the point where I'm excited because it's still Louisville football, goddammit. We only get 12 of these games. Right. I'm still here. I'm still going to get pumped. I just wish I had more optimism about the game itself. But I hope I'm wrong. Do you have a um, do you have a Dan of the Dumps for this week, or does the whole show kind of suffice? Yeah, I mean – I was I was pretty down on Saturday. Um, I guess I, I I'll tell the one that I told you this that happened while I was working a couple weeks ago. This may be really stupid. I didn't even prepare. <laughs> um, like I I had to travel to Charlotte and uh, whatever, just a normal night, stayed in a hotel, um, and I was like starving at night. So <laughs> I go I go down. Um, and I like, I'm like, oh, sweet. They got, uh, they got Oreos, like, I, you know, cover my, I hope my wife covers her ears here. So I grabbed like a, uh, a row of like, I think it was like 10 Oreos. And like, I like go to the front desk, to, like pay for them. I get in line and there's like, you know, granted happily married man here, but there's a very <laughs> attractive lady standing in front of me. And I was like, didn't want her to like see what I was doing, so I like kind of <laughs> held the Oreos behind my back and like uh, she was like checking out and like the front desk lady was like, "Sir, can I help you?" And I was like, "Oh no!" I was like, uh, "Yeah, I just I like begrudgingly like held up the Oreos. I was like, you could just charge this to my room like two oh six. Like it was such a low moment. Like I was like, I'm never gonna see you again. But uh." Oh, yeah. Anyways, I kind of just trot out to my room and drown myself in Oreos. She's like double stuffed, eh? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big God. night? Yeah, big Good crazy, huh? Oh, uh, uh, yep. So, anyways, but yeah, not that's not as nearly as bad as how I felt Saturday, believe me. That's, uh, honestly, it's the perfect way to end the podcast. Um, we. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to, to follow that. Uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, it's Card Chronicle. Just search for it. Very easy. That's the best way to figure out when we have new episodes out. Uh, we are, as promised, the, the the Thornton sex line on the radio show. I was just getting dogged. They're like, bigger lie. Like, Satterfield of this team ready to play, or Card Chronicle podcast is going to be doing a new episode every week this season. I'm, I'm like, damn well, that it. That was my it. yeah. It was my fault. We, we like we probably should have done one maybe after the game. I was I was at the lake and there was literally like no service at all. So it would have been. I mean. 
it's already you, also were, you blacked out which would have been probably better for us yeah like, i was were, i was uh i was not in a state to to talk on saturday but um yeah i don't know better days ahead Better days ahead, but subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, leave us a review. We read the reviews on air. No new reviews uh, since the summer, so if you want to uh, to have yours read next episode, this is the chance to make that happen. All right, uh, Louisville UCF, we'll react to that next week at some point and then get ready for Florida State. Hopefully it's a celebratory podcast. Hopefully Dan will be taking a victory lap. Uh, if not, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll be dropping a lot more F-bombs, I'm sure, uh, again next week. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the game. Go Cards, beat UCF. Go cards.